Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Morning, everybody. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Saving Grace Church. If this is your first Sunday, I want to welcome you also. And uh, if you were not able to be here last night, uh, it was just an incredible time. I, I can't thank you enough, everyone who came. Thank you for everyone who came back today, uh, friends and former members and folks who have come a long distance. Boy, it's just such a blessing to me that you would be here today, so thank you. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, last night we had a, the church put on an incredible uh, celebration for me, uh, retiring. I hate saying that word. Um, <laughs> but it was just incredible, wonderful. My sisters are here, my sister Jan, my sister Julie, they just did a great job. Julie, I, I hope you're happy. My sister Julie, last night, one of the things that was discussed is how she's always trying to prank me with insects and fake cockroaches and every, you know, and well, Julie, your example paid off. All of Luke and Kristen's kids gave me gifts this morning with insects in them to <laughs> fly, centipede, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This is your fly. <laughs> Scared me. <laughs> so um, it was just great last night. Had a uh, Tim, uh, the, the couch up here, different times, Dave Allen, who was hosting it last night, would call different people up and we'd sit on the couch, talk about past, and, and my sisters were up there telling stories about how I would prank them as they were little. And, and uh, Tim McKelvey was up here, and someone reminded me, maybe it was Tim this morning, of a, one of the stories from when I was probably 26 years old. He was a couple years older. Uh, neither one of us had gotten married yet. Uh, um, we were living in a farmhouse across from Musser Nursery, and uh, we went to the Indiana County Fair with some friends of ours, a bunch of friends of ours. And Tim and I got on this ride. It was like a huge arm with a cage at the end that would swing around, and, and then the cage would spin around, and then it would start going the opposite direction. And we went on this ride, and it was very short. And when Tim got off the ride, he said to the carny who was running the ride, he said, boy, that was a pretty short ride. And the guy said, oh, 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 I'm sorry, we'll, we'll get back on, I'll give you a little longer ride. And when he shut the door, when he shut the cage door, his face turned into the face of evil. And he said, you're going to wish you'd never said that. <laughs> and he ran that thing so long and back and forth, and it got to the point where Tim was screaming like a woman. And he admits it. He, he was screaming like a woman. The guy finally let us off, and we managed to stagger off to the next ride. So anyway, lots of great memories. Thank you um, for the incredible Gibson SG electric guitar. And, and I, my mind was blown. I couldn't believe it as I was looking at that thing. And 
for all the gifts and cards and all your encouragement and encouragement to Christy. And we're both so blessed and encouraged. So uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, this is really about you. You are, as we've already heard this morning, a faithful God, our Savior. And you not only save us initially, but you save us every day. And you are faithful to work out your salvation in our lives. And we just want to focus on your faithfulness to us as individuals and as a church over the years this morning. Please help me to to do that. Help us to see that in your word as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we heard this last night, in case you weren't here last night, uh, one, one Friday night in June of 1978, a group of maybe 30 people met in a classroom on the fourth floor of Davis Hall on the campus, on the IUP campus, for the first official meeting of a new church we had just incorporated called Indiana Christian Fellowship. And it had grown, the church had grown out of a Bible study that had been meeting for a number of years. I was at that meeting, June 1978. Tim probably was too. I was probably wearing a black t-shirt. Um, sort of longish hair, full beard. We were really excited some of you, maybe more of you, were here, were at that meeting, but we were really excited to start this new church. We had no idea what we were doing, no idea what the future held. But many of us young Christians, we believed God would be faithful. And at the time, I probably could not have quoted this scripture, but it has become one of my favorite and most meaningful verses in my entire life, and I wanted to share that this morning. That's Lamentations 3, 21 through 23. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We've already been singing about that this morning, but great is your faithfulness. This morning's message is simple title, Our Faithful God. And as most of you know, after today I'll be no longer a paid pastor, taking a break from full-time pastoral ministry. Our plan is for me to take a break and then begin preaching again in September. I'll still be a member. I'll still be involved with the other pastors, with Joe and Bob and our pastoral candidates, and uh, hope to lead worship uh, and serve in any way I can. Hopefully, you'll still see the back of my bald hair uh, head up at the ministry mic from time to time. And, uh, but it will be nice to not sit up front uh, during the messages. That'll be nice, especially when I fall asleep when someone else is preaching. <laughs> People have said to me sometimes after I preach, Mark, I'm so sorry I fell asleep during your message. And I said, hey, it's a great place to sleep. You know, comfortable chairs, nice lighting, and just this droning from the front. Uh, said, I've fallen asleep in the front row at times. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't condemn anybody. I, and uh, just want to thank also, uh, in addition to my sisters, our friends Bo and Nancy Lutinsky are here. Bo um, 
has, Bo was one of our first pastors for several years. I haven't been able to nail down the exact number of years, five, six years. It's a mystery. Um, and uh, he had to put up with many of my failures. And I know that many of you have made a special effort to be here. A uh, number of you from the early days of our church. It was so fun last night as Dave was having people stand up. And if you have been around our church for any length of time, you know we have plenty of weaknesses. And I have plenty of weaknesses. Um, but our many weaknesses as a church have, give, have given God the opportunity to show His faithfulness again and again over the years. And that's what I want to highlight this morning as we look back and as we look ahead. We serve a faithful God. Great is your faithfulness. It's not great is our strength, not great is our, our church. Great is your faithfulness. First of all, I want to talk about God's faithfulness before I even knew Him, before you knew Him. God was faithful to us, every one of us in this room, before we even knew Jesus. And so Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 says, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious, free, undeserved, unmerited grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Before we ever knew Him. Before we were born. That's our faithful God. And the Apostle Paul who persecuted the church before Jesus saved him. He approved of the stoning of Stephen. He sent many believers to prison, tearing them out of their homes, ripping their families apart, sending parents to prison. Paul said this, but when He who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son to me in order that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. Paul, this wicked man, said, God set me apart before I was born, and then He called me by His grace, His free gift, His love. I was born and raised Roman Catholic. I was an altar boy. Um, Last night we saw a priest's robes that my mom had made for my brother, which she had also made a set for me. Um, there's a picture of me I have on my office door, dressed as a Roman Catholic priest, standing in my backyard, age six. So I was holy from a very young age. <laughs> um, my parents, as many of you know this, uh, had even signed me up to go to seminary, to a Jesuit seminary after 8th grade. But something happened. God had other plans. And my dad was transferred to this little town. I was living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My dad got transferred to this little town, Indiana, Pennsylvania. What, Dad? A town that can't even find its own name? They have to steal it from a state? We're moving to Indiana, Pennsylvania? Little did I know what God had in store for me. Move here. 
I don't go to seminary, go to high school, went to IUP, began to really seriously veer in high school and college into serious kinds of sin, all kinds of sin. Even though I was still practicing Catholic, I'd been an altar boy, as we said last night, and I was the best altar boy. I had my hands so straight. And I would look at the other altar boys and their hands would be like this. And I'd think, me, you. My hands are straight. (laughs) But trying to be good on your own, as you know, many of you know, most of you know, trying to be good on your own can't stop the process of sin in our lives. And it can't save us trying to be good on our own. We're saved only by the mercy and grace and kindness of God because of what Jesus did, not because of anything we do. But I began to go very much astray. High school, college, I wound up after college living in Philadelphia, working in a crummy little art gallery, living in a cockroach-infested basement, which I guess that's why my sister loves giving me cockroaches, because I lived with cockroaches. And uh, I was really miserable, a slave to alcohol. And a girlfriend that I had met a guy named Larry Tomzak on a plane. I didn't know who he was. He was a guy wearing a t-shirt with a picture of Jesus on it. My girlfriend said, aren't you being disrespectful to wear a t-shirt with a picture of Jesus on it? Now, she was a stewardess. Can you imagine a stewardess confronting someone? But this guy started to talk to her all about Jesus. She gets home, calls me on the phone, says, this guy was telling me about Jesus. I said, yeah, yeah, I know. I've been to church all my life. Didn't, didn't mean anything to me. I just thought, oh, you know, go ahead. So... A few months later, moved home from Philadelphia, broke, had no money, moved back with my parents at age 23, broken, just depressed, a failure, didn't make it in the art world as I had hoped to make it, living at home. My girlfriend came to visit one weekend, and in the Indiana Evening Gazette was a picture of Larry Tomzak. She says, look, here's the guy with the picture of Jesus on his shirt. He's, he's speaking out at a little retreat center in Brush Valley. we got to go see him. So, okay, okay. So my mom and dad, my girlfriend and I, we go out to Brush Valley, Pennsylvania, go to this little church building, and I hear some music on the inside, and a guy at the door, standing at the door, sticks out his hand, he says, Praise the Lord, brother. I go, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, praise the Lord. And uh, we go inside and we're singing songs like, This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. Now, I had seen Genesis and Yes and these incredible prog rock bands in concert. And I'm thinking, these, I don't know if I can do this Christianity thing, singing this is the day over and over. This is, but, so I'm there. But this guy, Larry Tomzak, preached like no one I had ever heard. He was talking about Jesus, like Jesus is real. And Jesus changed his life. And afterwards, uh, my girlfriend says, hey, come on, let's, let's meet this guy. All right. So they drag me up in front of my mom and dad. And this girlfriend, Larry, says, Mark, have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? Well, I, yeah, I guess I go to church every Sunday. No, no. Have you ever personally asked Jesus to come into your heart? No. So would you like to? Okay. 
And I really did. I wanted God to change me because I was a slave to sin. I was desperate and I was miserable. And I knew I needed God to change me. And so I prayed. And, and Jesus, I believe He saved me, even though it took me a year before I really started to follow Him as a disciple. But God was faithful. I struggled. I had a lot of struggles and sinned a lot of times in that first year. I didn't know that I should turn away from sin till a year later when I heard a message on following Jesus wholeheartedly as a disciple. God was faithful. Well, let's talk about God's faithfulness to our church in our early years. Jesus said this. He says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock... I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, as I had mentioned, I think my pages got out of line. I was, I began to follow the Lord after I went to a, a guy invited me to this Bible study in 1974. And I heard a message about wholeheartedly turning to Jesus. And I began to attempt to follow the Lord with all my heart. And I began to meet some other young people who also were doing it. One of those was Tim McKelvey and Donna McKelvey and my wife Christy eventually and Patty and Andrew and just a lot, of, a lot of you. And we were young believers following the Lord and we started going to this Bible study and this Bible study was at Greystone Church and eventually moved to the basement of Davis Hall. And then, as I mentioned earlier, this, this Bible study kept growing and growing. And the pastor who was teaching it said, I really believe God wants me to start a church here in Indiana. And so we started this church in June of 1978. And I played guitar, so I was the worship leader. There were some other friends of mine playing instruments, and something happened. Within two months, the pastor was gone. And the leaders at the time, the leaders of the church had been in a, an organization called the Full Gospel Businessmen. They never told what happened to the pastor. I found out ten years later or so that the pastor had been unfaithful to his wife and so they asked him to leave. But we had this church and within two months of starting this church, the pastor's gone. We had no pastor. And so the leaders at the time, they would scramble every week to find a preacher to bring in. It was like they would meet and they said, you know anybody who can speak? Yeah, I know a guy in Greensburg. Oh, can you ask him if he'll speak? So we were meeting at, I guess what is... Now the Best Western, is that the Best Western? Park Inn? Whatever. One of those hotels over here. We were meeting in there. And uh, every week we'd get a different speaker come in. And it was crazy. You, we just would, you never know who was coming in. One week we had this incredible, Dave mentioned this last night, this incredibly charismatic speaker who got so worked up, I mean, he was, 
He was a, amen, church, can you say amen? And we're just kind of sitting there, amen. And he says, "Uh, this reminds me of a song, Amazing Grace. And he picks up a pair of cymbals, a great big pair of cymbals that are coming apart at the seams. And he starts singing, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. And we're all just sitting there. You know, we're trying to enter in with amen, brother. You know, we, it, was, it was crazy. Every week, somebody different, you know, and, and you never knew what we were going to get. And the same guy who crashed the cymbals, he's preaching and he says, and, and one time I was driving down the highway and the Lord said to me, close your eyes. And he said, but Lord, I'm driving down the highway. And the Lord said, I know, close your eyes. So I closed my eyes. He's going 70 miles an hour. He's closing his eyes. And, and God gave him some kind of vision or something like that. But that, I mean, that was, you know, every week somebody different. We didn't know what we were going to get. Um, and we had no pastor for a year and a half or longer. And God just kept our church going. And... Um, Around 1979, a man named Brent Detweiler, who'd been a student here, led a campus ministry uh, on, on the campus. He had gone to seminary, and he came back to town intending to lead that campus ministry, and he began to disciple a group of us guys, taking us through spiritual books and teaching us about the Lord. And every week we'd meet, and, and um, then uh, in 1980, in February of 1980, I got married. To Christy, we got married. Um, this Brent came in '79, got married in '80, and um, I had the first decent job I'd ever had. I was teaching art in Latrobe in the Latrobe Elementary Schools, and uh, I had had all kinds of jobs before that. And not long after Brent came on as pastor, he told me he believed I had I had a call on my life, and he he wanted me to quit my job teaching. And I told, I told my mom and dad, my mom said, you are crazy. This is the first decent job you've ever had, and now you're going to quit. So I, I didn't quit right then. I quit over the summer. I finished out the school year. <laughs> Bo was right there with Brent encouraging me, probably. And um, I don't know what I was thinking, but I quit in, in September of 1980, came on staff as a pastor in training, the principal and the superintendent in the school, they asked me before I uh, quit, they said, well, are you going to go to seminary somewhere? I said, no, the, the pastor's just going to train me. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, so I came on staff not knowing what I was doing. Nine months later, after nine months of training, I was ordained. Um, and then a year later, in 1982, Brent informed me now, we never would do that like this nowadays, but Brent informed me that he was going to move to Gaithersburg, Maryland and work with a couple of men who were starting a ministry called People of Destiny and that I was going to be the senior pastor of this church. Um, remember, I only came on staff September of 1980. Now it's August of 82. I'm a senior pastor. I had no idea what I was doing. And God was so faithful God has been faithful. We struggled. 
Back then there was a recession and, and people had to, had to leave and people were leaving our church. Our church was shrinking and we had this thing called celebration which this group of churches, which was called People of Destiny at the time, started this thing in, right in, at, at IUP campus. And Bo was the guy who was the administrator many years, put this thing together where churches would gather at IUP. And every year... I don't know why they did this, but the church growth movement was big at the time. There was a huge emphasis on church growth. So before celebration, they had a pastor's gathering, and they always had, every senior pastor had to share an update on the church. And every church but ours was booming. Every church. One guy would get up and say, yeah, I moved to Philadelphia four months ago, and we're up to 280 people. And I think, yeah. We're down to 62 people. Every time. And I, I'd be so embarrassed to get up and share because we were losing members. We were shrinking. Um, they talked about closing our church down, the leaders of People of Destiny. One celebration before the sharing time, one of the leaders came up to me and said, Mark, do you think it's time we turn out the lights in Indiana? I was just devastated. I thought, no, I, I, I can't just send all these people away. I just, just close our church down. But it was discouraging. It was discouraging. Because when you're in a small church, especially when a, a family or two goes on vacation on a Sunday morning, it, it feels like the church is empty. And so many, many Sundays I was so discouraged because we were so small until I heard a quote by a man who quoted Charles Spurgeon, who was speaking to pastors of small churches. And Charles Spurgeon said this, Are you discouraged because your church is so small? Let me ask you this. Is it big enough to be responsible for on Judgment Day? I never complained. I never, I never was discouraged again. I thought, boy... This is way bigger than I want to be responsible for on Judgment Day. But God was faithful over the years. He was faithful. He was faithful to our church over the years. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And like I said, we, we didn't know what we were doing. I heard there was this church, part of People of Destiny, it was in Gaithersburg, Maryland, and they were having these things called family film nights, and some of you have heard this story, but since I'm turning into my dad, I can tell stories over and over. This church had family film night, and so I got all their posters from family film night, because I thought, you know, they'd show these films, invite their friends, and then, you know, talk about the Lord, and so we, we decided we'd have family film nights. One of the posters was a movie called City of the Bees. It was supposed to be a scientific study of bees and how bees uh, really prove that there's a living God and, uh, you know, because bees can turn around and tell directions and they know where to fly. And so we get this movie and, of course, in my typical style, I didn't preview it. And it was made probably in 1949 
uh, had a guy in a white lab coat talking about bees. It was so out of dated because Star Wars had recently been out with all these incredible Star Wars effects. Now here's a guy in 1949 and they're showing these terrible effects. One of the scenes I remember in particular was a bee sitting there just kind of like it was sitting on a piece of paper or something, but the background was going like this behind it. It was supposed to be flying, and the bees kind of looking around. I don't even think its wings were moving. And people are screaming. They're howling with laughter. They're just howling, and I'm slinking down in my chair thinking, why am I so stupid? Why didn't I preview it? Next week, I called the guy down in Gaithersburg, and I said, D what did you think about that movie, City of the Bees? He said, oh, it broke before we watched it, so we didn't watch it. <laughs> yeah, but God, God was faithful despite... I don't know why you guys kept coming, so many of <laughs> Some of my sermon mess-ups. Some of you were probably in this room. It was during the Persian War. We were over on Oakland Avenue. And, uh, well, I was talking about hospitality. And I said the Greek word for hospitality means love of strangers, love of foreigners. And, uh, you know, it was during the Persian Gulf War. And I said, we, you know what, we have this great opportunity to show hospitality to, to foreigners, you know, because we have all these IUP students right on our doorstep. And, and all morning long I was looking, there was a first-time visitor there. And he had a little bit more olive-colored skin. And, and I, in my mind, I assumed he was probably from Iraq or Iran or Persia or somewhere. And, and I th I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to bless this guy. I'm going to show him how much we love him. I'm going to show him what a welcoming church. And you know, we love of foreigners, love of strangers. We have all these, these people from foreign countries at IUP. And I said, sir, I, I don't want to embarrass you, but what country are you from? And he kind of looks around. I said, yeah, you, yes, you. What country are you from? Uh, McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I hate myself. I hate myself. Well, that is kind of a foreign country. <laughs> they sort of talk like this. Give me some chip-chop ham. Are you going to see the Steelers today? That's kind of a foreign country. Um, another, time, another time I was preaching on Abraham and Lazarus. The story Jesus told about Abraham and Lazarus. And the rich man, not Abraham and Lazarus, the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man every day would come out and there's this poor man named Lazarus. And the rich man came out every day and never helped the poor man. And Jesus said then the rich man died and he was in flames and he was in torment. And, and the poor man died and he went in to, in to be with Abraham. And in the Bible, the, the, the rich man is, cries out. And he cries out. He's so, he says, send Lazarus to to dip his finger in water and, and touch it onto my tongue. And I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm so brilliant. I'm thinking, in his lifetime, he wouldn't want to touch that guy. Now he's going to say, come and stick your finger on my tongue. And I, I'm getting this brilliant revelation. And so I'm preaching. And so I said, the rich man cries out, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to come and stick his tongue in my mouth.
And I, I didn't even know I said it. This kind of ripple went across the, the, the room. And afterwards, Donna McKelvey came up to me and said, Mark, do you know what you said? I said, no, what? I was thinking, I was so brilliant. What a brilliant message I gave. And she, she said, you know what you said? And she, you said, Lazarus, come and stick your tongue in my mouth. I said, what? And she said, yeah, Caleb and Luke were sitting there, and they just looked at each other and went, ew! <laughs> so, that is why I often say, the very fact that our church still exists with me as pastor is proof there's a living God. God has been faithful despite our weaknesses, despite my weaknesses, and He has been faithful to produce faithful servants. And when I think about our church, I don't think we're particularly impressive or great, but I, I'm so thankful that over the years, you have been so faithful. God's faithfulness has produced faithfulness in you. And so Ephesians chapter 2 19 through 22 says, In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God is the one who's doing it and did it, has done it. God has built us together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. He's been so faithful to raise up so many faithful servants, all of you, so Romans 12 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. We are one body, individually members, one of another, each one of us has gifts, and you are using them. And oh, as I was thinking, I was thinking, oh, there's so many you know, over the years, you know, in addition to Brent Detweiler, our first pastor, Bo Lutinsky and his wife Nancy, you know, God gave us Steve Murphy, who served as a pastor faithfully, Steve and Mary, Steve, 10 years as a pastor, and Tom Kurtz, and my son Stephen, and now Joe Ryer, and Bob Mundorf, and, and uh, not only just pastors, but so many of you, all of you, I... If I started naming names, I, I, you know, I know people would be offended or why wasn't I mentioned. I mean, I just am so blessed. Some of you have served in children's ministry for 25 years. Gosh, you're the ones who are going to get rewards on Judgment Day. Man, 25 years. Some of you have been fellowship group leaders for decades. And you all serve in so many ways. Coffee bar, ushers, sound crew, worship team. Just thinking of people like Jim Allshouse. He was serving as a projectionist in our church when he was a teenager. Still on the worship team. Man, I could name so many. I was thinking, we did this skit one time. We called... The Ancient of Days worship team. And uh, 
Donna Cup and Steve Bassler and Patty Walworth and me and everybody on the worship team, we all made ourselves look like old people, called ourselves the Ancient of Days worship team. <laughs> and I thought, now we is one. <laughs> it's like my dad. My dad, mom and dad were in this church, and my dad he used to go out and preach and speak at St. Andrew's all the time. Every, and he wound up being in St. Andrew's before he died. And I was, went to a Sunday evening service with my dad, and he was looking around. And he said, look at all these old people. He's, he's 96. He says, look at all these old people. I used to come here and teach, teach him. He says, now I is one. <laughs> but it's God's faithfulness. You serve with such joy. You bring us, and I know the Lord, such joy. And so it's the Lord. When I think about our church, I think any good thing we have done is because of the Lord and His faithfulness. And so Isaiah 26.12 says, Lord, You establish peace for us. All that we have accomplished, You have done for us. And so... Knowing that God has been so faithful in the past, I am confident that God will be faithful in the future. God is faithful. No matter what changes we make in the pastoral functions. And so Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And I love Psalm 138.8, The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. He will fulfill His purpose for each and every one of you. He has a purpose, which is incredible. And He will fulfill that purpose. And He has a purpose for our church. And He will fulfill that purpose. I believe God has good plans for our church and good plans for each one of us. And even though our roles may change, um, God's going to be faithful. And I do want to commend Joe and Bob, your pastors, and your pastoral candidates, Dave Marshall and Jason Rummel. These guys love the Lord. They love you. They are committed to the Word of God. They are committed to you. They pray for you. They desire to bless you and serve you and see you prosper in Jesus. And I believe God will continue to use them and me with them as He gives us grace. And I believe He's going to continue to use all of you for His glory. And my hope is that all of us, all of us, every one of us, even you young men and women, will finish well, run the race and finish well for Jesus. I want all of us to see each other in heaven, that someday together we're all going to be worshiping at the throne of God. Together we'll be looking at the face of Jesus. We'll be praising Him. Members of our church here now, members who have gone before, won't that be an incredible day? And again... I just want to thank you all for making my job all these years a joy. You have really made my job a joy. And my hope is to continue to serve in this church and pursue the Lord together with you for a long time. So let's pray. And Joe, if you want to come on up. Lord.
You are so good. You have been faithful to each and every one of us before we even knew you. And even when we didn't know what we were doing as young Christians, in all these years you've been faithful to us as a church. We just want to give you glory. We want to thank you, Lord. We ask you to please continue to be faithful to us and help us and, and prosper us for your glory in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.